David said, I will bless the Lord at all time, and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. We're going to open our Bible in the book of John. Book of St. John, chapter 3, verse 14. St. John, chapter 3, verse 14. And Jesus said, And has Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness? Even so must the Son of Man be lifted up can take your Bible again in the same book of John. We're going on chapter 12, verse 32. Chapter 12, verse 32. And I, I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. Thank God for Jesus. Today, we are coming together for one purpose, to praise and worship Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And uh, if you look in the scripture, why Jesus used, and uh, something that happened long time ago in the wilderness, where Moses was the leader to take the people of God from the bondage to the promised land. And uh, he quote that scripture, if I lifted up, like the serpent was lifted up in the wilderness. Why did they lift the use? The serpent was lifted up in the wilderness. There was one reason for that. If we go in the book of Proverbs, let's go in the book of Proverbs chapter eight, and the last verse, Proverbs 8.36. Proverbs chapter 8.36. And the book of Proverbs, he said, He that sin against me wrongeth his own soul, and he that hate me loveth death. And we see because of sin, when sin comes, destruction, destruction comes, which is death. You see, there is physical death and eternal death. But we thank God for Jesus. He always comes. He comes to repair or to fix the problem. And he quote, he said, if I lift it up, I will draw all men unto me. Jesus always come to, he always in the middle. You see, at the cross, when they crucify him, he was in the middle. And uh, one of the thieves, one of them at the cross, the one on the right, he was looking at Jesus. He said, Jesus, the Son of God, remember me when you are in your paradise. And Jesus answered, he said, today you will be with me in the paradise. 
And we see that Jesus lifted up. He's exalted right now. He's at the right hand of God. He called, he said, come unto me all ye that labor and have a living, and I will give you rest. He said, come to me. I got a water for you. I am the water of life. And uh, Jesus is sitting he's in the middle in the Trinity. And the Trinity, you see, the Father, Son, and the Spirit, the Trinity divide. But in unity, there is one. And that's why Paul said he's the mediator between man and God to reconcile us to God. And that's why this morning we come to lift him up. We come to worship him. We come to glorify him. Because what he did for us on the cross, there was no other man was qualified to do it. He was the only one. And he explained, he left his world. He was rich, Paul explained. He became poor, for you and I can be rich. We can lift it up. He knew no sin. He became sin in order to redeem you, to redeem me, and to redeem other people and the world. He offered salvation to all men all over the world. Salvation, the door of salvation is open because of Jesus Christ. There is some uh, things that you may not have. It may not possible for people to have. But it is easy. The door of salvation is open for everybody. And he said, if I am lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. I will bring them unto me. And that's why the Bible explains the same book of John. He came to his home, and his home received him not. John chapter 1, verse 12. He said, as many as receive him, he gave them the right to become the son of God. So no matter wherever you are, whoever you, you are, if you came to Jesus, he will save your soul and reconcile you with God. One man messed up the world. One man, Adam, he messed up everything because he opened the door for sin to come in. When sin come, right, like I told you earlier, death come. You see, wickedness come. All kind of things come. One man after the sin because Adam was Good. He was created with the image of God. He was in the glory of God. Once, when sin happened, he separated us with God. And he took another man, which is Jesus, to come to reconcile us with God. You're not happy? Aren't you happy? Because right now, with Jesus, we are reconciled with God. When we have problem, we don't look our problem. We just look up on Jesus Christ. When we have any trouble, we don't looking at our trouble, we're just looking up at Jesus Christ. Because we know if Jesus lifted up, he's, kept, he's, more power, he's powerful enough to get all your problem, all your trial, all your tribulation, everything we, you're going through, he can take care of it. Not only right now, any time you're going through 
that trial. He's the mediator. He's the one that can take us to God. He's the one that can fix the problem of United States. He's the one that can fix the problem of Haiti. He's the one that can fix the problem for the whole world. He's the remedy for that. But they have to bring the problem unto him. They have to bring it unto him. Because he explained the enemy came but to kill, to steal, and to destroy. But he said, I came to give life, but life more abundantly. He said, whoever loves me, they love life. That's wisdom, that Jesus. And whoever hates me, they love death. When we walk away from God, we walk towards our death. And there is nothing good you can receive in the world. Nothing good you can receive in the world. Everything good you can receive, it's only in Christ Jesus. It is a Christmas season, and then people don't really talk about Christmas too much. But we cannot have a Christmas without J-E-S-U-S and Christ. You cannot have a Christmas, even though some people use Christmas for doing something wrong. But you, we use Christmas to remember a man came from the heaven. He took the form of man. He became man. He took that form to deliver us, to pay the ransom for our sin, to give us freedom. And that the man is Jesus Christ. It's all about worship God for the Christmas. That's me. I think it's all about praising him for what he did for us and the cross when he died and crucified and the third day and he rose again. That today when I die, I believe with Jesus, I will rise again. And that's why we lift him up today. We come to worship him. People all over the world right now are worship and praise the true and living God for Jesus Christ. Is there any prayer request? Go ahead, brother. Who said the name of him? Doug. Is there any other one by Kurt? Is there any other one by the wall? Hallelujah. Thank God. To God be the glory. 
Hallelujah. Thank God. Is there another praise report, prayer request? I think we need to, first of all, thank the Lord for setting these captives free. Hallelujah. And, but secondly, we must not quit praying for those who captured them because they testified apparently to them the whole two months they were with them. Wow. And we want that testimony to bear fruit. Hallelujah, church. God be the glory. Is there another one? We thank God we're going to pray. Go ahead, brother. Hallelujah. The Bible school in January. Pray for the pre teachers to prepare for it. Is there any other one? Let us bow our head and pray. Father God, we thank you this morning for all the prayer requests. Everything that already asked. You knew what we are going to ask, even, even though before we thought about it. We thank you for your power, for your authority, for everything that you can do for us. Because the Bible said, cast all our care upon you because you care for us. You are able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask. We thank you for the prayer for the uh, missionaries, captives, oh God, the, the hostages that has been released. And we thank you for the release and we pray you also for the salvation of those that has captived them. We pray them that they will be saved and they will be delivered from the things that they have been doing. We pray you for Brother Zeb prayer request. Zeb request about, oh God, uh, all those things that they need from you to do, Lord. You pray you to make a way out of no way, Lord. We thank you for the teachers that are going to teach. We pray you, oh God, to give them wisdom, understanding that they can teach your word, oh God, with power and authority. We pray you for every other prayer request. We ask you, O oh God, to bless each one of us that are here today and touch and deliver those that are sick. And we give you praise. We give you glory. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, thank God. Amen. Let us say the Lord's prayer. Our Father, which art in heaven, allowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debt as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thy is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
Good morning to everyone. What a fantastic privilege to be together, to worship, to exalt the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, who is worthy beyond what we can express. I uh, received a Christmas letter from my oldest brother, Roger. Some of you may know him. He's 93. Um, I have two siblings that are still living. It's him and Marvin, who's 91. But I received this letter from Roger. And in it, he lists, it's his Christmas letter, and he lists five things that you and I see today in our world that our forefathers could not have seen. I'm not going to go through all five points, but I will be talking about some of them probably in a little different context. The reason I bring this up is, isn't really to draw attention to that, but Christmas time, you get together with families. You know, sometimes families, can, it can be a little bit hard. It, it just can be. There, there can be some tensions. There can be some stresses. Um, and I just want to encourage you. It's kind of interesting because our family, that would be the case. We've basic, basically, I've been raised in a very good, godly family, and we've loved each other, but there's been stresses along the way. And um, I find now that Roger calls me Oh, every couple of weeks, and Marvin does the same, and, and, and we just chat because there's something happens when you age. You start to really value family. And I just want to encourage you as you meet at this Christmas season and you gather together as families to truly have a forgiving spirit for anything that's negative and to truly enjoy one another and let each other know it. Sometimes, I told a young man here recently, he was talking about some of his relatives. And I said, you know what? You do not know when the day will come when your family will be all you've got. You better love them. And you better do it now and enjoy it. And I just want to encourage everyone. That's not the text this morning. It's not the message. I just want to encourage you along those lines. I invite you to turn your Bibles to Micah 5. The text this morning is the greater Christmas to come. And I want to read uh, this verse, and we're going to read some more of them to lay a little groundwork here this morning. Micah 5, verse 2. But thou, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, Yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me, that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from old, from everlasting. This is a typical Christmas message. I'm told that the Jewish people uh, used this verse to reinforce their belief that the Messiah was coming and that he would come. And I read this verse and I see in it that it tells us that the Messiah is coming and we understand that to be Jesus Christ who was born in Bethlehem. That's what it says here. It's going to come out of Bethlehem, and he was. And we believe that, and we celebrate that, and we get together and praise the name because Jesus has come. But if you'll notice, it says that he will be a ruler in Israel. I'm going to tell you I have not seen that. 
The latter part of this verse, I have not seen. In fact, even the Jewish people going back as a nation together, they do not know the Lord by and large. And he is not the ruler of their, even their hearts, let alone their nation. Let's turn to Philippians, the second chapter. Philippians 2, and I'll begin reading at verse 9. Wherefore, well this is talking about Jesus himself. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, that's Jesus, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth, and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I want to tell you that I believe, and you believe, and everyone who believes, we believe that he has a name that is above every name, and I trust that you and I have bowed the knee. But it says there's going to come a time when every knee will bow, and I have not seen that time. In fact, I see a lot of people not only do not bow on him, they use his name in vain. There is no honor to him. And so as we look at this Christmas season, and like those shepherds that came in and they, I think they bowed the knee and worshipped the Lord God Almighty that was born there in that little stable, and we ought to remember that. It is a good thing. But I'm going to tell you there is an aspect of Christmas that has never yet been fulfilled. And that's what we want to talk about this morning. I'm just going to call it the second Christmas or the greater Christmas. I don't even know if Christmas is the right word. I, I hope you get the idea. Let's look at Luke 4, one more chapter, thinking about this that has not been fulfilled. The fourth chapter of the book of Luke. Let's look at verse 18. And this is the Lord speaking when they gave him the book in the synagogue to read, and this is the Lord reading about himself. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of our Lord. And our brother opened talking about this. And most of us could look at that and say, that's me. He set me free. I don't know where I would be today without Jesus. I know what my tendencies are. I know what my selfishness is. I know what my arrogance and the things that get me in trouble. And if it were not for Jesus, I don't know where I'd be. But Jesus says, this is the reason he came. And what I do not see is the world has recognized that yet. Yes, there's been a few that believe. Hallelujah for that. Even a few of the Jewish people were thankful. But this has not fully been fulfilled, has it? So I'm going to ask you, if it hasn't been fulfilled, and it's going to be fulfilled, and I believe it is going to be fulfilled, I think everything that's written in the Word of God is true, 
And it's going to happen, whether I understand it or not, is not even the issue. It's going to happen according to His Word and His will and, and what He has dictated. So I'm going to ask you this morning, what do you think it looks like when the fulfillment of the babe that came to Bethlehem and it is completely fulfilled and all the prophecies and all the good stuff and all the wonderful things that's listed there happens, what's it going to look like? Turn with me, if you will, to Daniel 9. Please turn there. Even if you haven't turned to the others, I'm asking you to turn there this morning. I want you to go there with me, Daniel 9. Daniel, Jose, Joel. Daniel 9, and I want you to look with me at the 24th verse. This is, this is a prophetic chapter. It is primarily dealing with the nation of Israel. Most people would believe, because we're not going to spend the time here this morning, but this is because of what's worded with the days and so forth, that it's talking about three and a half years into the Great Tribulation. And so what we're going to look at is what happens when all of the prophecies that have been fulfilled that Jesus said he would bring on the human family, what does it look like? And I don't know, there's probably a lot of places we could go, but I'm going to tell you, this is one neat verse. Would to God I would fully understand it, comprehend it, and carry it with me every day in and every way. Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city to finish the train. I'm going to stop there. The holy city. Now this is speaking primarily to Israel. They're going to say, well, why, why do you go here when you're talking about the fulfillment of the Christmas blessing? It is because the full blessing on this planet and on the Gentile people like you and me will never come until Israel is finally brought before and recognizes her king as king of kings. And so we're going to read that this morning, the blessing that here is to Israel. But in so doing, all the nations of the world, as we already read this morning, all the nations of the world are going to bring their glory and their power and their resources to, to Jerusalem. So what happens here? It says, for, and you, um, upon thy people and upon thy holy city to finish the transgression. You know what this says? I'll tell you when Christmas comes again, it's going to be fantastic. It says to finish the transgression, all the apostasy, all the rebellion, all the sin, all of the things that rock our world today, God's going to say it's going to be finished. It is over. And I'm telling you, I cannot comprehend that. I have never lived in that kind of a world. I'm not even there myself. I have a sin nature yet. There's going to come a day when God says it is finished. Hallelujah. You want to talk about a gift? It isn't the stuff you're going to get around your Christmas tree. It isn't the stuff of the money or whatever is going to be given to you. It's that the day is coming that Jesus is going to declare it is finished. Hallelujah! 
Notice the second one. To finish the transgression and to make an end to sin. This is a final, powerful judgment on sin. It is the final thing that our Lord does to completely obliterate sin. Is this a gift or what? Can you think of a better one? I'll tell you the Christmas that we think about. All, all what happened at Bethlehem when that manger was laying the foundation was the beginning of the work that we're talking about this morning that is, this is the finish. Hallelujah. And our sins are removed. Then it says, it goes on and it says, and to, uh, to make an end to sins and to make reconciliation for iniquity. You know what happened when Jesus died on that cross? His blood paid the price for my sin, for my iniquity. And he said, this is the final consummation of all that. Sin's going to be removed. All of the bad attitudes and everything that we think about is going to be gone. And all the struggles in life, we can think about our government. We can think about families. We can think about individual sins. We can talk about history that's been ugly with war and all that. It's all going to be over. All of it. And furthermore, the thing that's going to cover it is the blood of Christ. And brother and sister, kind friend this morning, come to Jesus. That's what Brother Cephas talked about in the opening. The blood of Christ is the only reason we're going to have this Christmas, if you will. is because he's going to bring an end to sin. That's first three. Okay. So that sin... That sin has been removed, the iniquity is removed, the blood is covered, it's finished, it's over, it's not going to do anything. Then what? You know, it's not just that God takes away the bad. Because He's a great God and a good God, He gives us goodness. He gives us righteousness. Let's read on here. Still in the 24th verse. And to make reconciliation for iniquity and to bring an everlasting righteousness you know what replaces all the rebellion it's in me it's in the country it's in the world it's in the governments it's sin it's apostasy it's drifting away from God we see it every day and all you got to do is read the headlines in this nation and we know we're in a state of apostasy we're just drifting 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 away you know what's going to replace that it's righteousness from God and the amazing thing is this is everything will be right my thinking, government, finances, health. I think everything is going to be right when God pours out his righteousness. Are you ready for Christmas? Are we ready for Christmas? Even so, come, Lord Jesus. That's Christmas. Then it says, and to seal up the vision and the prophecy. Heard this morning in Sunday school that our Sunday school teachers have done a great job teaching through Revelation and because it's prophetic and they have, they've studied. I appreciate it. Anytime anyone studies and does their work ahead of time, I, I appreciate that. You know what this verse just said? It's going to be sealed up. We won't be having any more Sunday school classes. In fact, I won't even be preaching about it. It's all going to be over. It's sealed. 
God says all the prophecies have been fulfilled and everything that is we're going to know and understand it's going to be, it's going to be over. There's not going to be a need for great vision into tomorrow. We are going to walk in the light of the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't understand all this, what I'm talking about. Are you ready for Christmas? And finally, the sixth thing is, and to anoint the most holy. It's kind of interesting because uh, this is... uh, The most holy here, a lot of people will tell you they think that that is... That is the temple in Jerusalem, probably in the millennial reign. If that's the way it is, that's fine. It seems to me like the most holy here is the Lord himself. He's what's most holy. And so what it says here is that to anoint the most holy, he's not only going to give us righteousness, he's not only going to be no need for prophecy, but we have complete and unrestrained worship. Brother Cephas talked about worship this morning. Hallelujah, that's what we need to be. But i, I got to tell you that even, even in the midst of a really good place like we're in this morning and where everyone has prayed and sang and the presence of the Lord is here and the whole thing, I still have the capacity for my mind to wander off into Timbuktu. It's embarrassing and I don't like it. And I pray about it. The day is going to come. <laughs> The day is going to come when everything is going to be good. Everything's going to be right. There aren't going to be any flaws. There aren't going to be any pains. There aren't going to be any tears. And Jesus says, Jesus says, at that time, you will fully anoint him, King of kings and Lord of lords. Are we ready for Christmas? Are we ready? This is a Christmas I don't want to miss. It is an unbelievable gift from God. I don't know why he loves me like that. I don't understand. But hallelujah. Amen? Well, it might be that someone will say, how do I know that these prophecies are going to come true? And I'll admit to you, one of the real struggles in my life, I had to list the things, and I'm not going to tell you everything about my, but one of the real struggles for me is sometimes I have doubts. And it gripes me that I have doubts because I don't think I should have, and yet there's times I do. And I try to confess them to the Lord and take them away. And so, but the question has to be asked, maybe someone doubts all this. How do I know that these prophecies will come true? Let's, let's go back to, I want you to go to the book of Isaiah. I've got four prophecies, and I'm going to stay in Isaiah. There's a lot more of them, but I'm going to stay in Isaiah, and I'll start in the 35th chapter, and I want you to see how God has already fulfilled enough prophecies that you and I should believe. Isaiah 35.1. The wilderness and the solitary place shall be glad for them, and the desert shall rejoice and blossom as the rose. And again, this is talking about Israel. Do you know that in in my lifetime, this is amazing, I'm 75, 73 years ago, Israel became a nation in my lifetime. And it's talking about when Israel will blossom like a rose. Do you know what Israel was? It was a desert. 
There were areas that were uh, swampy, but it was desert. I forget what the number is now. Through the centuries, I think something like 70 armies had marched across Palestine. Most of them didn't even bother to stop. There's nothing there. Nobody wanted it. It was that little tiny slip of land right on the edge of the sea there. They didn't want that. Just push it out of the way. Just pass through. And it says, that area that no one wants and all the Gentiles missed, and then when they didn't, they fought over it and shed blood, and it turned into a real negative. He said, I'm going to turn that into a Garden of Eden, if you will. Let's read on Isaiah 41. I got, I, I'll make a point out of all of this shortly, but stay with me here. Isaiah 41, verses 18 through 20. I will open rivers in high places and fountains in the midst of the valleys. I will make the wilderness a pool of water and the dry land springs of water. I will plant in the wilderness the cedar, the shida tree, and the myrtle, and the oil tree. I will set in the, in the desert the fir tree and the pine and the box tree together, that they may see and know and consider and understand together that the hand of the Lord hath done this, and the Holy One of Israel hath created it. He said, I'm going to take that desert land that's my land, and there is going to be lush blessing that's going to flow that you cannot believe. I want to tell you something. Not only has this happened, it's affected me and you personally, whether we know it or not. If you, a lot of you have friends or family in um, California, Central Valley there where they grow all of the fruits and vegetables and everything else and that's where I grew up. And when I grew up we would have, we'd throw up levees and we'd irrigate whole big checks, solid water and there's still a little bit of that done today. But if you go to most of the places now, they have what they call drip irrigation. And that water, just drip, it just drips a little bit of water at each tree or plant or whatever it is and it saved millions and millions of gallons of water. Do you know where that come from? It came from Israel. The technology came from Israel. If, if the whole world is in trouble and they can't get enough fresh water, the nation that, that knows how to desalinate water and provide fresh water right out of the sea is Israel. Do you know that if you live in a country, Cephas, Haiti, it's been all over. And there's a, some great tragedy that happens. You know who comes? One of the first comes. Israel sends teams and medical teams. It is just amazing. And militarily, this little tiny sliver of land, the whole rest of the world keeps an eye on Israel because they're ahead of everybody. In fact, in many cases, they lead the United States. They at least work with them. If you want to talk about international espionage and what's going on in the whole world, Israel's the one that knows. God has taken that little bitty sliver of land. He said, I will bless it. And you and I have seen it. Some of us have seen it in our lifetime. These were a people that when these, when these prophecies were written, the nation and the people existed, and then they were scattered over all the earth and completely lost in the whole thing. And by the miracle of God, they are brought back together and they are a nation. Is the testimony of God true? 
look at Israel. There's a couple more real, I will hit them real quick. Isaiah 51. It's also said of, of Israel that uh, somewhere between 70 and 90% of their wastewater is recycled. They have learned how to do things. It's kind of interesting because the nations all around them, the, all those nations around them are, a lot of them are desert and horribly water deficit, and they do not le learn from Israel because they do not like her. Isaiah 51 verse 3, For the Lord shall comfort Zion, that's, that's Jerusalem, and He will comfort all her waste places, and He will make her wilderness like Eden, and her desert like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness shall be found therein, thanksgiving, and the voice of melody. Verse Isaiah 55, one more place. Isaiah 55, verse 10. For as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower, and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. For ye shall go out with joy, and be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth before you into singing, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the fir tree, instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle tree, and it shall be to the Lord for a name, for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. Have we seen the miracle hand of God that brought forth his prophecies? Man, they've stuck us right in the face. If we miss this, we miss it. Well, there's one more thing I want to talk about when I think about the prophecies of the Lord. I'm, I'm not going to turn to Ezekiel 38, but it talks about Gog and Magog. And most commentators think that is um, Moscow, Russia, or they think it's a, the ruler and the nation of Russia. I'm not sure. I, I'm not that great of a scholar, I guess. And this is what it says. It says that Gog and Magog are going to go down to Israel and they're going to take a spoil. Well, that's interesting. This was a desert land that was, had no value whatsoever. And if you go to take a spoil, it means there's something there of value that you don't have yourself and that you want it. And so this huge, powerful nation, and it's probably a lot of its allies, they're going to look at that little tiny sliver of land that they rejected for century after century after century. They're going to say, we want it. It's got something. You think the hand of the Lord might have something to do with the goodness of the spoil? I think it has. Are you ready for Christmas? Are you ready for the consummation of what happened in Bethlehem stable? 
Are we really truly longing for our Lord to come and stop all the sin and stop all the wickedness and stop all the apostasy and bring on righteousness where everything is the way it should be and what we were created for is fulfilled completely? Brother and sister, we live every day in Christmas when we know the Lord every day. If there's anyone here this morning and you have never bowed the knee, you have never named his name, i got to tell you, what I talked about this morning doesn't apply to you. You're in trouble. And I just plead this morning. <coughs> I plead with the fathers, mothers. <coughs> you all get together and you have your family gatherings and it's really a wonderful, wonderful blessing. Family is, is, is it's just something. Do not miss the opportunity to tell them that all these blessings are short-term, terminal, and they do not compare with what Jesus is still going to do for you and I. Bill, you have a song.